Last Sunday evening, we talked about the importance of winning souls, and we talked about making that a, an objective, an important priority for us in the new year. I hope that you've thought some about that, and I hope you'll keep thinking about it, sort of keep it in the forefront of your mind that this is an important work that we need to be engaged in. We need to be reaching out to the lost people around us. And all of us have uh, a number of people within our immediate realm of influence that we can and should be teaching. So I want to keep that in our minds and keep pressing and urging all of us, include, I'm including myself in that, that we all be uh, constantly thinking about the need to be reaching the lost around. In line with that, and sort of as a, a follow-up to that kind of discussion, this week I want to talk about anticipating and preparing to deal with uh, a common reaction that we get when we try to share the gospel news with others. And the reaction that I have in mind is when people will say to us, well, that's just your interpretation. We try to talk to them about what the Bible says. We try to explain uh, what God wants us to do and why and how. And as we're engaged in that, very often the response is, well, that's just your interpretation. How many times has that happened to you? My guess is that that's happened to you any number of times, lots of times. What people are doing with that expression is that they're just dismissing the message that we're trying to deliver to them by claiming that it's only an opinion. That's just your interpretation. That's just your opinion. And so they don't take what we're saying seriously. And in a sense, when that happens, you almost feel like you have run into a brick wall, that, that you can't get past that. If they're going to just say that, well, there, there's no more we can do. They, they're not going to listen any further if they just dismiss what we have as our own opinion or our own interpretation. How do you deal with that? What's the best way to deal with this very common situation? That's what we want to talk about in our lesson tonight, to help us all be ready, prepared, more capable in doing this important work of sharing the gospel. Thanks for being here tonight. We appreciate you all very much. Glad that you're here. Glad that this is a priority for you. And we look forward always to our times together. Uh, we hope that all can draw strength and encouragement from one another. That's an important part of God's plan for our work together in the local congregation, that we support, help, and encourage one another. And, and your being here tonight uh, is, an, is one of the ways to accomplish that important work. Thanks for being here. We appreciate you very much. For any who may be visiting tonight, thanks for coming. So how are we going to deal with this that people say? That's just your interpretation. And they, will, and, and they seem like they don't want to listen to anything else. Well, let me suggest that we should first of all respond by saying, well, what's your interpretation, right? Uh, hand the person who says this, hand him or her the Bible and say, well, what's your interpretation? Instead of us just... Uh, sort of being discouraged and giving up on it, indicate your willingness to hear other points of view and indicate your willingness to correct your interpretation if, it's in wrong, if it is wrong. In doing so, we demonstrate fairness and humility and open-mindedness. And Of course, that's what we want in them. So by making such a, a comeback, we are expressing that we have what we hope they will have, and that is a willingness to consider any point of view, and that if our point of view is wrong, we certainly want to correct it. So we, we should express to them the attitude, we should honestly possess this attitude, 
we're trying to show them to have the same kind of attitude. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 13, it says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Uh, so even ourselves, certainly, we can and should uh, legitimately consider all viewpoints. And so express a willingness to do that. Uh, what do you think is the right interpretation? What's your interpretation? In the reading that Larry read for us earlier, Apollos is commended because he had that kind of open-minded attitude. Remember this Apollos. It speaks of him there in Acts 18, beginning verse 24. Born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. Now get this. He was from Alexandria, which was a center of Jewish learning in that day. He was eloquent, mighty in the Scriptures. He's a powerful speaker. And he was a knowledgeable individual, but his knowledge was not complete. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogues, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. You've got to think about Apollos here. I'm from Alexandria, he might think. I'm, I've, been, I've sat at the feet of some of the finest Jewish scholars there are. And who are these two people, this Aquila and Priscilla, just common folks? They don't, they're not in a position to teach me anything. I don't have to listen to them. I understand this. I'm not looking for anybody to clear up my, my thinking. He could have had that attitude, but he didn't. And he humbly accepted their instruction. And so that's the kind of attitude we need to possess, and that's what we're encouraging in others. And so maybe start out when we, when we get this common response. That's just your interpretation by saying, well, I'd be glad to hear what your interpretation is. What's your interpretation of this? But then you've got to follow that up by reminding them that whatever we believe has to be based upon clear evidence in the Word of God. I'd be glad to hear what you have to say, but remember, whether you're right or I'm right or whether we're both wrong, whatever it is, we've got to make our conclusion based upon what we find in the Word of God. We sort of have to agree to the rules of the game, if you will. Uh, and the rules here are that there must be evidence to support one interpretation over another. And really, the only way that we can come to a conclusion is what does the Bible say? The only way to have proper faith is based upon what's in the Word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, verse 17 says. And so we've got to get everybody to agree. You can't just go on your feelings. You can't just go on your think-sos. So often when we engage in religious discussion with people, they say, well, listen, I don't know, but I just think that it's this way or another, or or I feel that God would approve this or that or something else. Well, feelings don't prove anything. Think-sos and opinions don't matter. It's what's in the Word. That's the only way to have true faith is based upon what's found in the Word. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, it says, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Sometimes we refer to the kind of teaching that we desire as book, chapter, and verse teaching. And what we mean by that is, if you're going to teach it, show me the book. Uh, say, for instance, the book of Acts. Show me the chapter, chapter 2. Show me the verse, verse 38. Acts 2, 38. That's book, chapter, and verse. In other words, if you were teaching someone that they ought to be baptized for their mission of sins, you would teach them that that's what the Scriptures teach in Acts 2, 38. Book, chapter, verse. That's, that's what we have to have. Sometimes we refer to it as thus saith the Lord kind of teaching. Because, bottom line, your opinion doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't matter. 
Opinions don't prove anything. What does the Lord say? And so we got to get people to, to insist on that kind of authority. That's really what we're talking about here, isn't it? It's authority for what we believe. And of course, what we believe leads to what we practice. And so we need authority. In Colossians 3, verse 17, a very important verse on the matter of authority. It says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Do all in the name of or by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And that's what we're striving for. and That's what we've got to get other people to agree to. Those are the rules of the game. So, uh, as we deal with this common response that people offer, that's just your interpretation. Start out by saying, well, I'd be glad to hear your interpretation. And, and, and if I'm wrong, I'd be glad to be corrected. But remember, whatever you decide and whatever I decide has to be based upon what's taught in the Word of God. And there has to be evidence there to support one conclusion over another or one interpretation rather than another. As we deal with this, we're going to have to be ready for two extremes that are almost certain to come up. One extreme is the notion that there are no legitimate interpretations. A lot of people are convinced that every and any interpretation just involves a matter of human opinion. And therefore, uh, you, so you've got this opinion, you've got this idea, and therefore, everything that you read in the Bible, you spin it to support what you already believe. Or everything that you read in the Bible, you, you read it with a bias in favor of your prejudiced viewpoint that you already hold. That's what people think. There are no legitimate interpretations, they say. But in reality, in other words, what they're saying is the very word interpretation is a bad word. But in reality, an interpretation is just simply a, 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 an explanation of something that's taught in a particular passage. That's what an interpretation is, right? The passage says this. What does it mean? It's an explanation of what is meant in a given passage. Now, this question of understanding. Is it possible to understand what the Bible teaches? In other words, if an interpretation is just an understanding of what's taught in the Bible, then the question is, can we understand the Bible? And the answer, of course, to that is absolutely yes. John 8, verse 32, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make free. Jesus said, truth is knowable. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, God will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. It's God's will that people have knowledge of the truth. Now, if it's God's will for us to know the truth, then it doesn't make sense that he would supply us with a message that's impossible to understand, would it? If he wants us to understand the truth, and he's the one that gave the truth, and he's an all-powerful creator then it would be senseless for him to produce a document that we're not capable of understanding. We can understand. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning verse 3, Paul said, By revelation he made known unto me the mysteries I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Do you see that? Paul said it's understandable. It was revealed to him, he wrote it down. You can read it, you can understand. That's all there is to it. Uh, now, if that's not so then God's lying to us. The Scriptures can't be depended upon. If, you, if, if the Bible is not understandable, if the Word of God cannot be comprehended, then God didn't tell us the truth. Of course, we don't believe that at all. And so one extreme is that everybody just 
thinks that the whole matter of interpretation is wrong, and they, they, there's no legitimate interpretation. The other extreme is that any interpretation will do. There's just, there's just a whole array of interpretations out there of the Bible. And that's, that's a true statement, of course. There are a lot of confusing and contradictory ideas in the religious world. The result is that some people uh, have just sort of thrown their hands up and said that it, it, it's not possible for you and me to agree uh, and we just have to acknowledge the right of everyone to have their own opinion. You've got your interpretation, I've got mine, somebody else has got another one, and they're all okay. Any interpretation will do. Basically, we just need to get along. We need to stop debating our differences. We shouldn't even discuss our disagreements. Any interpretation will do. That's an idea that's very popular in our world. But if that's the case, let me ask you, if that's the case, what about all the warnings that we find in the Word of God against false teachers? They would be basically meaningless, wouldn't it? If you can believe anything you want, and any interpretation will do, then there wouldn't be such a thing as a false teacher. But we know we're warned, constantly warned in the Scripture about false teachers. 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Well, why should we try the spirits? What difference does it make? It, it, it doesn't matter if one interpretation is as good as another. But, of course, it does matter because there are false teachers. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 1, the apostle Peter says there always have been false teachers and there always will be. He says there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. So there are false teachers out there. And we have the job of discerning what's right and what's wrong. Everybody has that job. And the person that we're trying to teach, who says that's just your interpretation, he's as obligated as we are to try the teachings of all men and find out what's right and what's not right. And so the idea that any interpretation will do doesn't work. And again, we need to be prepared to, to share that with people and show them. You can't just say, you're okay, I'm okay. It, it is obvious that some interpretations are better or more plausible than others. Now, think about that for a minute. People who say, any interpretation will do, would they apply that to other matters? For instance, uh, they've been sick, and they go to a doctor. Well, what do they want from the doctor? Just any old diagnosis? Anything will do? One's as good as another? No. No, they want the right one. They, they want an accurate diagnosis of what their problem is. Uh, here's a fellow, and he, he's wanting to get married. Any marriage partner do? Doesn't really matter. One's as good as another. No. He wants to choose the right one. And he has certain things that he expects of a marriage partner. Um, what about investments? Say that you're able to save up a little money and you want to make some investments. I'll just invest it anywhere. It doesn't matter. One investment's as good as another. No, that's not true. Well, what about religion? Well, when it comes to the most important area of all, for some reason, people say, well, one's just as good as another. And that's not so. Obviously, some interpretations are better and more plausible than others. Uh, and so what do we do? 
we go to these various interpretations of Scripture, we sort them out, we use our logical reasoning powers that God gave us, and we discover the right one. And we decide which is true and which ones are false. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're commanded to understand. We must understand. We don't have the option of saying it doesn't matter and we can just leave it all fuzzy and confused and, and not certain. We are commanded to understand what the will of the Lord is. And so here's this common problem that we have. People will throw this up to us. That's just your interpretation. How are you going to handle that? You're going to deal with that. How are you going to handle it? Well, hopefully we, we've suggested uh, maybe uh, how to start that conversation. Offer to hear their interpretation, but stress, it's got to be proved by the Scriptures. Be ready to explain the idea that interpretation is just an explanation of what the Bible says. And so there's obviously got to be some legitimate interpretation. Not any old interpretation will do. There's a right one and a wrong one. Now, having said all of that, I think we need to go on to explain that God has actually provided us with the rules for interpreting the Word. He's given us information about how we conclude what is right and what we ought to be doing. And we should be thankful for that. How do we do it? What kind of rules does God set forth in the Scripture so that we can know and properly understand what He wants us to be doing? Well, we know that He tells us some of those things. Uh, Rule number one, so to speak, would be by direct commands and statements in the Scripture. This is the easiest way. You want to know what God wants you to do? Well, when he says do this and don't do that, that's pretty easy, isn't it? And God uses that kind of instruction in the Scripture. We call it direct command or statement. For instance, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice the the very simple statement, go, that's a command. You go and you teach every Christian. Now, or teach every creature. Now, based upon that, Do I have to sit back and wonder, does God want me to try to convert my neighbor? I just wonder, does God really want me to be trying to teach other people that I know? I don't have to wonder about that, do it? Because I've got a direct command here. He told me to do it. Go and teach. That's that's pretty free from interpretation, isn't it? I don't see how anybody could say, well, my interpretation is is that it's not important to teach other people. How could you get that from what Jesus said? Go into all the world and preach the gospel every preacher. That's, that's pretty free from various interpretation, isn't it? That's clear. That's easy to understand. So the first rule is look for direct commands and statements of the Scripture. Rule number two is look for approved examples. You know, we're, we are a kind of people that uh, we are geared to learn by observation. Watch someone else do something, see how they do it, and imitate them. We do that all the time. Uh, for instance, if you wanted to excel in, in a certain sport, what you do is you look to the superstars of that sport, you see how they do it, and then you try to imitate them. Or uh, it might be in business. You look to those who are successful in business. You watch, you see how they do it, you imitate them. You, uh, an auto mechanic might do that. He wants to learn how to work on cars. He watches others who are good at it. He sees how they do it. He imitates them. Uh, if you want to learn how to work a computer, you can watch somebody, some of these kids that are so good with the computers, see how they do it, and then they fly through there. Try to stay up with them and observe them, imitate them. You learn by watching and doing. And the same thing is true 
about our service to God. We can learn, and we actually obtain authority for action in religion by imitating those who were inspired in the first century. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, you remember Paul said, those things which he had both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul said, you do the things I told you, you also can do the things you saw me doing. Do those things, and the God of peace will be with you. So, certainly the approved examples of the Scripture, of the New Testament, serve as authority for us to act, to know what God wants us to do. Rule number three is what we often refer to as necessary inference. I think maybe sometimes that we confuse people with that. that we, we understand that expression, but maybe others don't often understand it. This is the idea of an inescapable conclusion based upon what's said in the Word of God. You may not say it in so many words, but you can't get around the conclusion based upon what is said. Um, one of the very simple illustrations of this that we often use is Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, this verse contains a command, right, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So we're supposed to assemble. So that's a command. That's a direct command. Assemble. Don't forsake the assembly. But there's something implied in that. And we're to draw an inference from it. A necessary inference. And an inescapable conclusion. If you're going to assemble, there must necessarily be some place to have such assemblies. And so... Uh, we believe that there's authority here for us to act, to provide a place for assembling, because if you're going to assemble, we're commanded to assemble, there has to be a place for such assemblies, and that's where we get authority, for instance, for a church building. Uh, but it's, it's not just, oh, it's your opinion that you can have a church building. It's my opinion that we shouldn't have church buildings. No, we have authority here. We can draw a conclusion about that. We can say this is a right conclusion. It's an inescapable conclusion. It is necessary inference and finally rule number four is that we got to respect the silence of the scriptures we have to restrict ourselves to what god has revealed and we cannot act on the basis of things that he hasn't told us uh, sometimes people try to argue that we can do things because the bible doesn't say not to well the bible doesn't have to say not to if god has told us what he wants us to do then we need to honor that and we should not act based upon the Scriptures being silent in regards to a certain matter. Remember this argument. I know you've heard it many times before, but you need to be prepared to explain it to others. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, the Hebrew writer says, For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. Now, Understand the context here. The Hebrew writer is saying that the Old Testament law of Moses has been abolished uh, and the priesthood that went with that Old Testament of, uh, law of Moses has been abolished and, and a new priesthood, the priesthood of Jesus, has been established. We're under a new law. We're not under that old law. Now, he's making the point. Jesus could not have been a priest under the old system. There has to be a new law because... For, in order for Jesus to be a priest, we've got to have a new law because under that old law, he couldn't have been. Why? Well, because Jesus was of the tribe of Judah, 
the priests under Moses were of the tribe of Leviticus, right? Jesus wasn't from the priestly tribe. Therefore, he couldn't have been a priest under the Old Testament. Now, what does the Old Testament say about priests? Well, it says priests have to come out of Levi, right? What does it say about priests coming out of Judah? Well, the Hebrew writer says Moses didn't say anything about priests coming out of Judah. He didn't say they could. He didn't say they couldn't. He just didn't say anything about it at all. What's the right conclusion then? Well, the Hebrew writer says the right conclusion is Jesus can't be a priest because the Lord was silent about priests from Judah. He didn't, he didn't say, thou shalt not have priests that come from the tribe of Judah. He didn't have to. When he specified that priests should come from the tribe of Levi, that's all it took. And so we need to have that same attitude of respect for the silence of Scripture. We cannot act where the, where the Scriptures are silent. We have to have authority for all that we do. And so again, think about it this way. We're going to try to stress and emphasize the importance of reaching out to others with the gospel message. In doing that, we have to be prepared and ready to deal with the kinds of comebacks we're going to receive. And this is a common one. I think you agree with me about that. As you've tried to talk to people, they'll very often say this. Well, that's just your interpretation. Be prepared to deal with it. Don't, don't just say, oh, well, I'll just have to give up. I can't go any further if they're going to say that. Yes, you can. I think there's a good way to approach them about that. And hopefully we can break down that brick wall that they're trying to throw up in front of us and get to the heart of the matter and get people to understand uh, what it's really all about. Thanks for listening. We hope that uh, what we've said is helpful and that, that it will prepare us to do a better job as we reach out to the lost. We're going to end our lesson with a song of invitation. As we do this, we'll be asking everyone here to consider your relationship with the Lord. Are you in a right relationship? Have you done the things necessary to have the forgiveness of your past sins, to be in a covenant relationship with God, and to have the hope of heaven and eternity? We understand that the Scriptures teach. It's not just our opinion. It's not just a, uh, our own particular interpretation of Scriptures. The Bible plainly teaches you have to hear the Word and believe it. You have to repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you've not been faithful to Him, come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.